Hello, what's going on guys? I'm John Hasselbauer, golf writer for thelines.com, and this is from the Tips Rocket Mortgage Classic Edition. Thank you for tuning in as always. Uh, while you're here, make sure you comment, like, subscribe to the Lines YouTube channel. Check out thelines.com for all the latest uh, and greatest in the world of sports and sports betting. Um, leave a comment on this post who you think is going to win the Rocket Mortgage Classic and ring that notification bell to make sure that you do not miss a new video, whether it comes from me or anybody else on this channel. Um, I am uh, coming off a one-week hiatus. If you could probably tell from my voice, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. Uh, disappointed to miss from the tips for the first week um, at the Travelers last week. I had a lot to talk about coming back from L.A., uh, coming back from LACC, my my impressions from the course, um, all of my U.S. Open commentary is definitely less topical this week than it would have been last. Um, but I do want to spend a little bit of time on it, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I did come down with a bit of a cold coming back from from California um, for, the, for the better half of last week. Um, today is the first day I do not feel sick. So you can continue to write uh, content while sick, it is very difficult to record anything with my face when I'm constantly coughing and sneezing and battling a sore throat. So I'm happy to be back now, happy to be in in better health um, and talking about the uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic with a clear head. Um, just to touch on quick impressions from the U.S. Open, you know, I've, I spent all the time and money to go all the way out to L.A. I haven't really expressed uh, my takeaways, my feedback, my first impressions of the course. It was a very polarizing um, week, and the course and the setup and the fan atmosphere was really the brunt of the conversation uh, that surrounded the U.S. Open. So I wanted to just give my quick perspective on it. Um, and and in general, I think it was very consistent with what everybody was seeing on TV and reporting from the grounds that. It didn't have that major atmosphere. Granted, I was there on Friday, and, and usually the weekend picks up a little bit more with fan attendance, with um, crowd engagement and all that stuff. But I think the the logistics of getting around that course uh, obviously would stay the same day to day, regardless if you were there Friday or, or uh, you know down the stretch on Sunday. Just a really difficult course to walk around. Um, all the fun holes I felt like, like the drivable, um, the drivable par four, I think that was the fifth or sixth hole, um, and the long par three with like Lenny Kravitz's villa in the background. Those were on the polar opposite side of the property, um, the farthest point from when you enter. And there's, there's so many like roadblocks where if you want to walk past the 12th hole, you have to wait while it's roped off for the players to putt and walk off of 12 green, but also for the players to drive and walk off of 12, like 13 T. So there was just a lot of roadblocks um, in the fan routing of the course that really made it difficult to get from one area to the other uh, in a way that I'd never really experienced in any other tournament. Most courses, if you just walk along the fairway, you can take the route that the players take from, you know, fairway to green, green to tee box. You can follow a group fairly easily. I know, like, I've never been to Torrey Pines, but I know at Torrey Pines, um, 
you know, it's a very linear design. It's not maybe the most, um, you know, provocative for lack of a better word, um, sort of design, but it's very fan friendly and you can pack masses there and fans can be like right on top of you and get a good view, um, of the action. LACC is a really interesting course, um, but not one that crowds can really pack. Um, even the T bot, like, what was it? Tw uh, 13 and 14, 13 green to 14 T, um, which runs right along the, uh, playboy mansion. Fans can't get within, you know, 500 yards of that area. Uh, cause that's tucked into the, to a corner. So that was like something in theory I was excited to see and just like feel that atmosphere. You got like monkeys in the bushes and stuff like that. But you couldn't get remotely close. Um, so that that's tough. When you're at a major, you really do need the fans to be on top of you to get that atmosphere. That The atmosphere is really um, what changes the dynamic of a major versus a, a typical tour stop. And we had this interesting uh, juxtaposition where you went from Canadian Open, which was a raucous crowd, crazy atmosphere with Nick Taylor winning, Travelers Championship, with with um, Keegan playing in front of the New England crowd, the New England fans, Northeast fans always show up. Um, that crowd was intense and awesome. And in between, you had this sort of dud of a very dull atmosphere where there weren't many fans on the property in general, and the fans who were there weren't able to get very close. You were kind of encouraged to sit in the grandstands, I felt like, when I was there. Like, the best views I could get uh, were just sitting down you know, behind a green or something. Um, and even to that point, there were a few grandstands, the one behind the drivable four, the one behind, um, the par five 13th, um, that were exclusive to LACC members. I'd never seen that before. Uh, maybe I've never been to an event at a country club that has, you know, a large membership. Um, but I've never seen that where they close off a grandstand and exclusively offer it to members. Uh, there was also this massive pavilion that looked awesome, and I walked over to it because I could you could see it from the other side of the uh, um, from, of, of the course. It was almost bigger than the the clubhouse itself, and it had like refreshments and drinks and a patio and and uh, yeah, everyone just looked like they were having a really good time. And my legs were killing me. I was walking around this giant course all day, and I was like, oh, it's like this oasis, this just giant pavilion um, refreshment area. And it was exclusive to members only. Um, so I, I, I couldn't believe that. I've never seen that either. Um, so everything that people say about the, the course being sort of designed to accommodate the members uh, is totally true. And that's really not a great look for the USGA. I know they're expected to get this again in 2029. Um, the golf itself was awesome. Um, I thought it did stand up. Um, as a good test, the marine layer. I never knew what a marine layer was before going to California uh, and LA last week, but it's very real. I golfed the morning of on Friday. It was 100% overcast. Didn't see a cloud, didn't see the sun um, for four or five hours. Um, hopped in an Uber straight from from where I played to, uh, to LA Country Club. And as soon as I got out of the Uber, it was blue skies, no clouds, blaring sun um unimpeded and it, all of a sudden it got super hot and dry so um they caught a little bit of a bad break with the marine layer it's nothing you can do about that but i guess i don't know maybe in june 
it's more prevalent there. I'm not really sure how that works, but had they not had the marine layer all week and it was just firm and fast and dry as the course is intended, that would have been a much different course. There were a lot of drives that landed on like the right side of the fairway that stayed there, where if the course was playing firm, it would run out into the rough and you would have these difficult um, approaches into like heavily um, bunkered greens that are just firm and fast and hard to hold from, from the rough. So, uh, unfortunately, as we've seen in, in any golf course at Kapalua is a great example of this. When you rely on the conditions, um, to be one of the biggest defenses of the course and the conditions don't go your way. Um, that's not a great recipe for success and you're, um, just liable to have more of an easy scoring uh, setup. You can't really control the softness. They have sub air at LACC. They can flip a switch and dry out the course as much as they can. Um, but if you're not getting natural sunlight, there's only so much you can do to dry it up. Um, so I, I think all in all, if you get a 10 under winner, that's what we should have expected. The U.S. Open, and they put this in all the commercials uh, every Every break was, this is the toughest test in golf. If you can win the U.S. Open, you can win at anywhere. Um, LACC didn't, didn't seem like it was going to be that from the jump. We knew there were a lot of birdie holes, and we knew there were a lot of uh, bogey holes. Um, and this week was going to come down to who played the best on the tough holes and capitalize on the easy ones. Um, but the first, you know, the first hole was a par five, very gettable, basically a gimme um, gimme birdie you have a drivable four that can be a gimme birdie, um, and a few other like straightforward fours. So we knew there were going to be at least three or four birdie, um, opportunities. That's not always the case. Like Brookline, for example, there were, there were no easy birdies on that course whatsoever. That was a great venue. Not to say that, um, not to say that LACC wasn't, but I think probably more of a PJ championship venue where it's not like the identity doesn't need to be as hard as it gets. It can just be a tough test where 10 under is, is going to be your winner. Um, if we really want our U.S. Opens to be the toughest grind in golf and win at even par and anybody who shoots under par wins, like we saw at Wingfoot, there are other courses that are better suited to do that than LACC. Um, but all in all, really beautiful course. Glad I had a chance to go. I almost didn't with the restriction on tickets. Um but uh, you know that makes sense in hindsight why why they why they canceled my tickets originally that I got through StubHub. Um, but I was uh, you know happy that I got a chance to go. I got I got um, this nice hat which I love, and I got a new flag which I'll be putting up later um, this month. So uh, those are my thoughts on LACC. They're a week delayed, but you know I, I went through the effort of going there. I wanted to get them out uh, at some point whenever I record it from the tips again. So. Um, with that, I'll, I'll just breeze over now quickly from us open to last week's events at the travelers, um, almost had a Keegan Bradley first round leader. Unfortunately, he came up just shy because, uh, Denny McCarthy almost set a course record with 60 in the opening round. Um, Keegan was runner up in the first round and then he goes on to win. Um, had a few instances of that this year where we had, the first round leader just miss and then not have him on the outright card, but it's Keegan Bradley. Always going to be happy to see him win. I've been betting him a lot uh, this year, unfortunately not at the travelers or the Zozo. Um, so we are, we are losing money on Keegan Bradley lifetime for sure, but always nice to see um, a player 
so emotional about a just regular PGA Tour event win. Uh, and that, that, I think, has been really special over recent weeks to see the emotion of Nick Taylor at the Canadian Open and uh, Keegan Bradley at the Travelers when, you know, the argument from like a Brooks Koepka of the world is like there's only four tournaments that matter each year. Uh, they're the majors and everything else is just prep for the majors. This is a nice little reminder that there there's so much that goes into playing these non-majors. And just because it's not a major championship doesn't mean um, that everybody's not like, you know, dying to win these. Um, so will that be the case with the Rocket Mortgage? I'm not sure. I don't think there's anybody whose life ambition was to win the Rocket Mortgage uh, Classic. It's a very new event. Uh, which started in 2019. I think that's a good transition to get us into um, the task at hand here. So um, on my screen, we have the 2023 Rocket Mortgage Classic preview, uh, which you can find on thelines.com. Again, if, uh, if you are new, you can go to Odds Golf, um, and this will be updated to have the latest preview right now. It is showing uh, the Travelers Championship, but each week that will be updated to show the current uh, week's tournament preview. Um, new this week, we're always, uh, looking to innovate the article, uh, taking feedback and sort of applying it. So this is always a heavy article. It's always 3000, 4000, 5000 words. Um, it's a lot to sift through and sometimes you might only want to see my model, see the key stats, see the info on the course. So what you can do now, if you just want to go straight to my model, you can click that button and it'll automatically take you to the section. Um, if you only want to see who my spotlight, you know, feature of the week is, you can, uh, you can click that and then just go straight to it. Right. So just a, an easier way to navigate the article. It is long. It is thorough. Um, and sometimes you might just want to go straight to the point. So now you have these buttons, uh, that should hopefully help you uh, navigate as well. You can also take this to the very bottom and then see live odds right below it right here. So Let's start there when we're talking about the Rocket Mortgage field. Um, who are the favorites? It's really one of the most wide open uh, events in terms of favorites that I can remember this year. I mean, obviously, if you if you think about like a opposite field event, like a Corrales or a Puerto Rico, those tend to be pretty balanced too and have favorites in the fifteen to sixteen to one range, just because there's not a heavy hitter in the field and whoever's playing in it isn't exactly like a threatening favorite presence. Um, but for, uh, an A side primary PGA tour event to have the favorite be 14 to one and essentially have co-favorites, um, in the 14 to 18 range of five or so players, really five or six players in this top, uh, tier, uh, that's pretty new. And, you know, when you think about the number of events we've had over the last few months, a lot of designated events, a lot that have had one of Scheffler, Rom, uh, Rory, Cantlay, really uh, uh, being like the the top tier players on tour this week, this year. Um, they've all had one of those guys who are going to open at like five or six to one. Uh, and that does help make longer odds for the rest of the field. But it makes you feel a little bit nervous about kind of going against these guys. If you even think about like, Mexico Open, we had Rahm in there. He was a prohibitive favorite. If you think about the Byron Nelson, uh, Scheffler was there. He was a prohibitive favorite. So uh, it's been a while since we have one of these like negligible events that also had no clear-cut favorite. 
Uh, and that's important when we talk about like outright card construction and just approach to betting in the week. Uh, you could pick out your flaws with everybody here, and this is your top tier this week. These are these are the decisions you need to make at the top of the at the top of the board with these first eight players: Finau, Fowler, Morikawa, Matsuyama, Thomas, Homa, Sungjae, and Tom Kim. That is your top tier. And then it drops down pretty precipitously, but you can find all of those guys available at 18 to one or shorter. Um, and I can just quickly go down the list of why you would not want to play any of these guys. Tony Fino, obviously the defending champion, but in his other start, he finished like 57th at the rocket mortgage and he's sputtering in form. He hasn't finished top 20 in his last four or five starts. Fowler in great form, hasn't been able to win in, how many years we've seen him play well, but um, to bet him at 14 to one, when he's still obviously chasing that first win and struggling to close, uh, not, not a 14 to one bet that I would feel comfortable about. Uh, Colin Morikawa in great T degree fo green form. This is a putting contest and he's never played this uh, event before. So 18 to one at what should really favor more bombers. If I'm going to play premium price, I don't really love the 18 to one price there for Colin. Deki Matsuyama playing great. You have the injury concern. Uh, again, a punting contest for Hideki Matsuyama, not something that I love. Uh, Justin Thomas, before last week's you know solid showing at the Travelers, he was in jeopardy of not even being good enough to you know make the Ryder Cup team. People were saying he doesn't deserve it. I wouldn't have gone that far. Uh, but now all of a sudden he's back to 18 to one. And of course, just like Colin Morikawa, he's never played and he's really still struggling with the putter. Not somebody that I think can get hot with a putter. Uh, Max Homa is still kind of searching for it. Hasn't looked himself, looked poor in both the majors. Um, hasn't really looked great since the Wells Fargo where he kind of backdoored a top 10. Uh, he can win a putting contest, but he's not in the best form. Um, or certainly not the form that I would be looking for um, in one of the favorites, Sungjae Im. If I were to bet anybody in this range, he was the one guy I was thinking of because he has that kind of mix of uh, birdie fest experience, uh, ability to get a hot putter, but the irons aren't really there right now. He has some decent showings at the Rocket Mortgage, but he hasn't really contended, and a player of his skill set, you would like to see him contend a little bit better. Uh, and Tom Kim, I'm just, I'm still not really sure what to do with Tom Kim. Uh, he's been struggling throughout the middle of this season, had back-to-back -back good performances with approach leading in uh, and had a top 10 here when he was kind of peaking this time last year. Um, but 20 to one is still short to me knowing, you know, if you look at his last 10 starts, he's really only had two uh, where he's looked like himself and the putter. We know it can be at a higher peak, but it's not really... Uh, looking stable right now. So 20 to one, that's also feels short to me. Uh, so yeah, you can have a, there's nobody here who is just a slam dunk. This guy's playing great. He's a winner. He can close out a tournament and he's best suited for a bombing gouge birdie fest. So uh, for me personally, I approach this week starting by assessing the, uh, the favorites. And then ultimately I just said, you know what? I'm going to bet a bunch of bombs. Um, and we'll we'll hedge our bets here, but I don't really feel intimidated by any of the favorites. Um, so that is the the field at a glance. Now I'm going to switch over to the odds page, uh, which is linked out in the article as well. Uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, Detroit Golf Club at a bird's eye view. 
It is 7,370 yards as a par 72. We have four par fives on the property and a bunch of short reachable par fours. Um, this is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a wedge fest, a putting contest, a birdie fest. Uh, they've been hit by a ton of rain in uh, Detroit, which means that the greens are going to be super soft, super receptive. It's going to be point and shoot irons wherever your ball lands on the green. It's going to stay there. Um, and there's going to be a ton of approach shots from 75 to 150 yards. Wedges for all these guys, uh, and in many cases, like flip wedges for for some of these guys who are hitting it much longer. Um, 7,300 for a par 72, pretty average, definitely not prohibitive for uh, any of the shorter hitters. We've seen guys like Troy Merritt and Kevin Kisner and Adam Hadwin who don't have much driving distance but are accurate and hit fairways. Um, they've done just fine here. This is not a course where like driving accuracy is a premium skill set. Uh, you can spray it around here and be fine. The lateral hazards, there are not many. There are some some trees, um, but no water um, and not really any like threatening uh, bunkers or anything uh, to worry about running into. So it's really, you're either in the fairway or you're in some like moderately thick rough. But even that, um, if you're hitting like a 120 yard shot from the rough, you're going to be uh, just fine holding these greens, especially with how soft they are. Uh, if you look at the the whole distribution here in the scorecard, you can count one, two, three on even on the front nine itself, par fours that are under uh, 400 yards. That is uh, all holes that the the players are going to feast on. There's a, a another a fourth one on the back nine that's uh, under 400 yards. So you have four holes under 400 yards as a par four. You have uh, four par fives that are going to be birdie opportunities. They all average well under par. Um, and some of these par threes are, are pretty short too. You have two under 170. So uh, just a lot of short irons into greens here. Not not really any core, any hole here um, that averages over, you know, a tenth of a stroke over par. Um, so it's all about birdies. It's, it's who's going to make the most birdies, who has putting upside, um, I don't think driving distance is the end-all be-all, but it definitely makes it easier to score if you have a shorter club into all of these holes. Um, that is the quick and dirty uh, breakdown of Detroit Golf Club important stats. And now I will move on to my model here. Um, going into the key stats, what I plugged into the model, I started with comp course history, um, easy scoring conditions that can be driver heavy, bomb and gouge types of courses. I think TPC Twin Cities, host of the 3M Open, is a perfect comp for this. Uh, Tony Fino obviously won at both events last year, but before that, uh, Bryson and uh, Matt Wolf both finished 1 2 in opposite order um, in 2019 at the start of these two uh, events, too. So, just a course where the longer hitters can really feast. We've seen that. Um, pretty consistently over the first four years at this event. Um, so drive it well, have spike putting upside. Obviously, approach is important, um, but just give yourself a bunch of birdie looks and convert them. That's what this tournament is all about. Um, I am pretty high on strokes getting off the tee, really because I, I, I don't want to isolate distance and uh, box out like a Mark Hubbard or a Troy Merritt type of player who has had success here through elite accuracy. Um, but 
if you have it on a string and you're not like slicing it out of bounds, um, you're just going to have so many looks here. So I think off the tee actually is very important here, whether you're doing it by bombing it or through extreme accuracy. Um, strokes get total and easy scoring conditions. That's a given. And I think that's an important one for this week. Uh, just given that we've had a few more difficult setups with the majors, uh, more recently, uh, par five score is huge. We have four of them here on a par 72, uh, strokes gain approach always important. Strokes gain putting in a putting contest. That's uh, something I put a lot more weight on than I usually would. Uh, we've got the par four scoring ranges of under 400 and over 450, uh, where, you know, you're going to get the most separation here. We have birdie or better gained both total and in easy scoring conditions. I put a small weight on driving distance. We have the proximity buckets from 75 to 150, uh, a small weight, uh, to close it out on, uh, putting on similar bent and POA blended greens. So when we put that all together, um, very few surprises at the top of the board. Um, but it is Tony Finau, defending champion, who came out number one, uh, followed by Max Homa, number two, Sung J.M., Hideki Matsuyama, Taylor Moore at number five. That might come as a little bit of a surprise. He's been sputtering over the last couple events, um, but a good all-around player. So interesting fit there. Uh, Ricky Fowler at six, Justin Thomas at seven. Tom Kim, Colin Morikawa, Keegan Bradley uh, at number 10 to round it out. So uh, not too many surprises here, uh, which is actually a little bit of a surprise because I didn't put, uh, you know, like a, a short skin T to green, a short skin total, uh, all encompassing type of stat in here. I did really lean on more comps like, um, you know, mixed condition, comp course history and easy scoring conditions here, which you know, usually adds a little more volatility, but, uh, even still, uh, you are seeing some of the top names rise to the top in this secondary tier. That's where I, I think you're going to find more value. So if we broaden this to the top 20 in the model, that's where you're going to see more of these risers like Mark Hubbard, Ben on, uh, Austin Ekro. These are all guys who can, uh, thrive in a birdie fest, easy scoring conditions. You can see, um, yeah, the the ranks they have in the comp course, all green, all good to see. Uh, Patrick Rogers, Chris Kirk, Brandon Wu, Dylan Wu. Interesting that the Wu's are back-to-back. -back. Uh, Thomas Dietrich, Andrew Putnam, and Nate Lashley to close out the top 20 in the model. Um, let's see, what else What else can we say about the, the key stats? I, I think that really covers it. You know, I'm a big fan of mixed condition modeling, using comp courses, landing on the right ones. Uh, and using that, uh, especially in a week that's so extremely easy, coming off of a major and more difficult um, conditions, you know, focusing on who plays well when the, the scoring it gets the easiest. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better.
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Um, so with all that said, we will close it out with my outright bets for the week. Um, as always, every time we have a tournament, I have the same unit exposure. I do um, you know, three units in to pay out 24 units each, an eight-to-one ratio. Uh, some weeks that is just betting the eight-to-one favorite, which you know at the U.S. Open, I basically just bet Scotty Scheffler and a couple futures. Um, this week, I faded everybody short of 40 to one. Uh, and that allowed me to bet 10 outrights. So that's definitely one of my longest cards of the week. If you're going to have a long card, I definitely think it makes the most sense to do it in a birdie fest. Uh, birdie fests are the most volatile. It takes the skill set of T to green out of the equation and comes down to who can make the most putts, uh, which is a skill set that a 201 golfer can be even more qualified for than a 10 to one golfer in some instances. Um, who do you trust to make uh, the most, you know, seven to eight footers this week? Is it Colin Morikawa or is it Adam Hadwin? Um, it might be Adam Hadwin, right? So that's why I think you get more randomness. You get more Nate Lashley, Cam Davis type of winners at an event like this where, uh, if you just get a hot putter, which anybody can do, you're, you can win. Um, so that is the approach that I took in, in making a, a longer betting card. Um, this is not filtered by the outright price that I got people at. So uh, I will just manually go through that. I started my card with my spotlight player, Harris English at 45 to 1. Um, 45 to 1 to start the card is long. Um, this week, Harris English is, I think, a top eight favorite, I, I believe, after the big... Well, that's not true. There's the big eight, there's Keegan Bradley, there's Cam Davis, and then there's Harris English. So I, I guess he's the 11th favorite this week at 45 to 1. Um, usually the 11th favorite will probably be you know, much, much shorter than that, I would think. So it's pretty long odds to get the 11th man off the board. Um, 45 to 1 putting contest, he's... You know, second in strokes game putting, as you can see here, he's six on the comp courses. He can take advantage of an easy course. Um, he's been getting over that injury uh, from the surgery last year. And, you know, just stringing together a bunch of top 15s uh, recently. They have been coming on more diff difficult scoring conditions, but he has been playing a lot of birdie fest. So I think he is the type of player you want to look at when you can be a little bit more generous off the tee. Hit a bunch of greens regulation and then just lean on the putter to do your scoring. That's how he won the Travelers, which I think is a pretty decent comp um, to this week. So um, I'm, I'm happy to start my card at 45 to 1 with Harris English. 
Um, the next man, uh, this is a little scattered because the uh, model ranks don't exactly coincide with um, the betting odds. But number two uh, was Steven Yeager. He is a birdie maker for sure, known for um, you know breaking, it, what did he shoot, 59 on the Corn Ferry Tour, I believe. Um, he can go low. We know that uh, the putting has been his downside. But even looking at 88 uh, in shirts game putting, that's an improvement from where it was earlier in the season where he was like kind of dead last. So he is turning a corner there. Um, and you know, someone who is also, you know, top 25 easy square conditions and comp course history. So he's been great T to green. This is the type of event. I think he can capitalize, uh, after Jaeger Ludwig Aberg is the next guy. I bet he's not very high in the model, but he only has like three starts under his belt. So, um, really not a model play on Aberg. He is just a young player who is an elite driver. I'll actually go to his page real quick. Um, just so you can see what he's done on a, sh- a small sample size. You can see he's gained over 10 strokes off the tee in his last two starts. Um, and, you know, Travelers is not exactly a driver-heavy course, so the fact that he's able to gain four is really impressive. Uh, getting six at the RBC Canadian Open is incredibly impressive. This guy drives it long. He drives it straight, as we talked about at the top with the um, the way I built my model. I am pretty uh, high on short skin off the tee. If you can drive it long and straight, you're going to have so many opportunities to generate birdies. Um, another guy who shot a 59 in college. So um, we know he can go low. Uh, let's see. After Aberg, the next guy off my card must have been Adam Hadwin. Uh, 75 to 1 on Adam Hadwin. A guy who plays well at both this event. We can scroll over to course history uh, right here. He's uh, 29th in course history. And I just put uh, TBC Twin Cities as a reference point here. Um, because I, I do think that's so strongly correlated with success here, um, and has only been around for four years as well. So I don't want the course history to be end all be all, but if you look at both and you've played well at both, I feel like that's a strong indicator that you can continue to play well at either. Uh, one of the best players in this field at TPC twin cities hits a ton of fairways and makes a ton of putts, good putter, uh, pretty good irons and reliable, uh, fairway finder off the tee. So. Um, I think, I think Hadwin's a solid player. He, I don't, I wouldn't say he's due for a win, but he's certainly been circling around the drain, uh, for a win. Uh, Austin Ekro, great ball strikers starting to hit putts. Uh, another trendy player, very popular pick this week. Um, and I think that makes sense. Ben on, uh, if we look to driving distance, he is number four in driving distance. So I want exposure to a couple bombers. If this really is a soft course, that's just pure bombing gouge. Um, I want good players who um, are going to hit it the farthest, not just like your camp champs and your Brandon Matthews of the world, but like decent all around players who hit it far too. Bet on is definitely that I got it at 80 to one. And, you know, he he seems pretty primed for this course. When you look at uh, 11th and birdie or better gain in easy scoring conditions. He's number one in long par four scoring. He's 10th in short par four scoring. That makes sense when you can nearly drive the green um, on these 350 to 400 yard holes. And the approach game has been pretty good too. 
Um, he's fourth around, third around the green. So uh, everything except the putting looks good. Obviously, a putting contest, that might be a little bit of a concern, but you never know. Um, it just takes one week to to sort things out and, and hit enough putts. So uh, that's been on. Mark Hubbard was my spotlight player last year. Uh, last week, Keegan Bradley was my 2022 spotlight player at the Travelers, and you know, a one-year lag later, it worked out. So uh, hopefully that same trend continues with Hubbard. Not a bomber, but does everything else extremely well. Great game for Birdie Fest. Go with his irons. Go with his putter. Um, next, we have Thomas Dietrich, a, a long hitter. A lot of his stats are from the DP world tour. So we don't have the most accurate show skin data on him, but we know he hits it far. We know he can spike with uh, the putting and he plays really well in easy scoring conditions. He was a big factor in the fall swing this year. He's fifth in short skin total and easy scoring conditions. A lot of his damage is coming on uh, courses like Corrales and the Bermuda championship where they don't have uh, shot link. Um, so some of his stats in easy scoring conditions like birdie are better. It's going to be even better than, than what it looks here. Uh, and then last, or two left, uh, Adam Schenk is actually the player that I think has the best chance to win of anybody on my card, and I got him at 125 to 1. I love this fit for Adam Schenk. He's from Iowa. Uh, he is a long hitter, although that's not exactly reflected here. He's 53rd here, but he's played a lot of these positional courses recently, which I think has taken away from that. Um, but you know, at his best on a, a driver heavy course, he can be top 10 in the field in driving distance. No doubt. Uh, the irons look good. He's 26 here. Uh, the putter has been great all season. He's top 20 there, um, uh, plays his best golf on birdie fest, uh, courses. I'll go to his player page just to see where he's done his damage. Um, uh, you can see it's been a little bit boober bust, but. Even the busts are not too bad. He's missing the cut by a stroke. He's not really lost by any means. Um, but yeah, you see a top 10 at the Memorial, second at the Charles Schwab where he lost in the playoff to um, Emiliano Grillo. I think there is a lot of um, Detroit Golf Club to Colonial in the sense that um, it's starting to just be overpowered by drivers. And that's what Adam Schenk did. He just went driver heavy, gained some strokes on the field with his distance as did Emiliano Grillo. Uh, Valspar as well, same thing. You got to hit a lot of drivers there. Um, and you got to rack up birdies. So um, the other event that he contended in was the John Deere, I believe. So let me just search for John Deere. Because he's from Iowa, and I remember him being in the mix there. Yeah, so he's finished top six um, the last two years at the John Deere Classic. I think that's a great comp for what we're going to see this week. Um, and just something to keep in mind for next week too, that if he has shows any sort of form, I'll probably just double dip and go right back to the Iowa native. Um, so that's Sheng. And then lastly, Joseph Bradlett, same reasons I like Ben on, uh, Joseph Bradlett is a bomber, um, great ball striker, top 10 in this field in T to green, which is great. Um, the putter is what we're concerned about with Joseph Bramlett. But when you look here, he did gain five strokes in a birdie fest at the Byron Nelson. That's very encouraging. TPC Craig Ranch, another great comp, um, for what you need to do this week. And that is actually typically played in similar soft conditions where they get a lot of rain. 
in the tournament week. So I really, really like uh, the Byron Nelson as a comp more and more as we get more info on the weather. Um, and you can see, you know, obviously a miscut at the Travelers, but that's not the type of course you want to play Joseph Bramlett on. You want to play him where he's hitting a lot of drivers. Um, and that is Memorial, Byron Nelson, Wells Fargo, uh, Mexico Open are all very driver heavy courses where you can just keep hitting that. And you can see that's that's where he's gaining all of his strokes. So um, if you want to go bomb and gouge, I think Joseph Bramlett is a very good option this week. Okay. That is going to do it for the Rocket Mortgage Classic uh, edition of From the Tips. Thank you guys for tuning in, uh, putting up with my uh, sick voice this week, but uh, hopefully I'm, I'm back to 100% um, by next week. Um, in the meantime, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at PGA Tout. Uh, and I wish you the best of luck uh, with all of your Rocket Mortgage Classic bets this week. 